Hello, podcast fans. This is Falcon Paladin coming to you with yet another edition of the Falcon Paladin Hour. And with me, as always, is my friend from down under. His name is Wade, and we have a very, very special guest with us today. Why don't you introduce him, Wade? It's my big brother. It's Lance. Big brother Lance. The one that I called out in an earlier podcast of being too lazy to get a Twitter account. So he went and got a Twitter account. Yes, that's the very that's same the one. one. The only one. He's Hi. He, he's my favorite big brother. Aw. Do you I'm have one? your only big brother. <laughs> Don't ruin it with the details. I knew it. I knew from the way he said it, there was only one big brother. <laughs> well, I also prefer you over the TV show, Big Brother. Okay, cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that, take that. That's a good thing to take. <laughs> anyway, happy Christmas, everyone. Or Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas, depending on where you happen to be. We have listeners in England, and they say Happy Christmas there. Do they? They do, at least according to the Harry Potter movies, which contain all of my knowledge about Christmas in England. That's a good source of knowledge. It is. I'm sure it's completely accurate in every possible way. Completely. Completely. So yes, Merry Christmas. It is a very, very special Christmas edition of the Falcon at Paladin Hour. So what we're going to do today is we'd like you to make a fire in your fireplace because everybody has one of those. And especially if it's Australia in Australia, get really, if it's Australia in Australia, if it's Christmas in Australia, <laughs> get really close to it. Snuggle up to that fire because we're going to tell you some amazing Christmas stories. And there's nothing better than sitting around a roaring fire telling Christmas stories and drinking hot chocolate. That's that's what Christmas is, right, you guys? Not quite. We snuggle around ceiling fans and air conditioners. That sounds about <laughs> right. And, and, like, anything cold, so, like, ice cream, pavlova, zupa-dupas. Yeah. Hold on! <laughs> zupa-dupas? Did you make that up? <laughs> no, zupa-dupas uh, are it, a real thing. It's like um, a... a, a cordial based ice block and it's really long and really thin is it on a so, stick no 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 you just eat it from a plastic packet hmm. doesn't it get all over your hands and stuff no because you just kind of cut the top off the plastic packet and then just push from the bottom and the ice just sticks up the top and you just... oh is it an otter pop uh what sounds like you're making Hold that on. up <laughs> no that's what it is what you're describing is an otter pop hold on i'll send you a link this is why we have this podcast is pretty much just to understand different cultures apparently it's the same culture with just different branding <laughs> <laughs> that's true it's called things different stuff do you see that these aren't official otter pops but that's the concept yeah that, that's basically the same thing that's it yeah okay excellent oh. yep otter pops zupa dupas <laughs> I like ours better. Yeah. yeah. It's a very catchy name. Our ones have better lie. flavors as well. Well, this is, I mean, we've got I mean, like cola. Where the heck are official and Fairy pops. floss. Fairy floss? What is that? Yes. Um, Wait, you, cotton candy? Oh, uh, okay. We do not call it fairy floss. Yeah, here's the official Otter Pop website where they actually have all the flavors available. Oh, man. There were summers when I ate probably 10 of these a day for just months on end. So delicious. That was last summer, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish. You know what? Sometimes I forget I'm an adult and I can buy things. So I think maybe next summer I'm just going to be like, you know what? I want a million Otter Pops a day and I'll just go buy them. Do it. I'm sure you won't have Do to it. share with your children or your wife. No. It, nah, kids hate mandatory those. to grow old but it's not mandatory to grow up so yep that's otter what pop i always say otter pops away man we are so off track all right so <laughs> in australia you cuddle up right next to the air conditioning unit and the fans and eat otter pops and zupa dupas 
mm-hmm. and enjoy the Christmas weather, is what you're telling me. We hide from the Christmas weather. Otherwise, we end up, you know, sunburned. Yeah, or, mm. or the last few years, it's been raining particularly hard. So uh-huh. we either end up really wet or really burnt. There's really no in between, is what you're saying. Well, that's kind of Australia in general. There's really no in between. <laughs> either you're soaking wet or you're on fire. And Take it literally happens at any stage of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. So when you guys watch American movies that are Christmas-centric, and it's like Home Alone, and it's snow and snowballs and snowmen, and is it just weird to you, or are you just so used to it because you've seen it in movies growing up? Uh, I mean, we've gotten used to seeing it, but if yeah. it were happening in front of us, like, hey, let's go build a snowman for Christmas, I'm just like, what? I mean, in fairness, snow in general is kind of a foreign concept to you guys. Yeah, there is only a very small portion of Australia that actually gets snow. It's, yeah. like, minuscule. And it only gets it for about, like, two, three months. Yep. And other than that, they they just use it for mountain bike riding because there's literally just dirt and trees. <laughs> How far away is this part of Australia that gets snow? Uh, from us, about four hours, five hours. Okay. So, yeah, it's not like you just hop in the car and go see the snow. No, no, no. I've never seen snow to this day. So. Oh, well, there you go. I have seen snow wow. once, and it was a freakish in- incident where it actually snowed at my house. Where it what? isn't supposed to snow. And I was walking home from the train station, and it just started snowing. What uh, What time of year was it? What month was it? July. The correct month for the weather. <laughs> the correct month. Smack in the middle of July, right? Yeah, you know the snow in July. Yeah, that our winter. Yeah, our winter. The cold, the cold month. Yep, I got that. Yeah, you understand. You know what it's like to be I cold do. in July. Actually, I do. Yeah. I spent a summer in South Africa in Cape Town, the very southern tip, and uh, it didn't snow down there because it's right on the coast, and I'm sure the climate just didn't make any sense for snow. But it got cold. I mean, it got down into just above freezing, maybe eight or nine degrees above freezing. And that was very chilly in July. It made no sense to me, but that's very similar weather to what we get in in winter. Okay. We get we get maximums of about like twenty two degrees Celsius. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, can't. I was I was, I was gonna nod I was and smile. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Twenty two degrees Celsius. That's, yep. That, I know what that, that is. That's like a sixty five Fahrenheit. Oh, that's balmy. Yeah, yeah, but that's the middle of the day. Okay, and then the sun sets and it drops. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So anyway, Christmas, very different. And what we're going to do today is share favorite Christmas movies. We're going to share some Christmas stories and Christmas experiences that we've had each growing up. And as Lance and Wade are brothers, I'm looking forward to their fights as they try to decide what the correct version of events was when something happened when they were kids. Because that's what happens when I get with my brothers and sisters and talk about what happened when we were kids. So I expect everybody's pretty much the same that way. So why don't we start with a recent event. I heard there was a, a Christmas event in Australia involving a drone. So I got given a drone for Christmas, and it, it wasn't big. Like, it fit in the palm of your hand. The first thing I did, you know, to get a drone off the ground is you push the throttle to max immediately. So it goes yep. straight up in the air, and then the wind just takes it. <laughs> See, I thought this was like an indoor toy, considering it was so small that it fit in the palm of your hand. That, you know, if huh? if by any chance you overcorrected, it would just stick to the ceiling. Right. But I mean, that seems like a legitimate argument to make. Mm-hmm. But the range on it is bigger than it, like the size of our house. So you have to take it outside. <laughs> Luckily, it landed, like, 
rotors up or, or feet down. So it was kind of just like a normal landing on top of the roof of the house. So that's not he, bad. Right. So he tried I, to, I just pushed the so, throttle to max again, except I pushed like left a little and then it went into a tree. I don't see the problem with this. <laughs> about, about two stories up. So who purchased the drone for who? Uh, it was my gift to my brother. <laughs> okay. Yes. It was a gift to Wade. He immediately took it outside and ruined it, is what you're saying. Actually, our father saved the day and, and came to its rescue and, and knocked it out of the tree. Yes. So after that rescue, how long did it ha- take before it happened again? I think we just decided to stop using it. Yeah, I think I just I, I put it down for the day. <laughs> it lasted maybe two or three more months when I got it home. I just kind of like sat it on my desk and every now and then I'd get bored and just like flat around the room a little and then eventually like yep. rotors broke and stuff because it's not safe indoors either thank you very much wow that is a very sad story about drones of course most of the stories i've heard about drones are very sad there's nothing strange about that unless you're willing to spend a lot of money on it <laughs> <laughs> the really expensive ones kind of just take care of themselves <laughs> Will they'll take themselves up off the ground? They'll land themselves back on the ground. They'll recognize danger and just avoid it. So Ooh. all you really do is just watch. <laughs> you, you're not really a pilot. You're more like a co-pilot. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever even heard of the super fancy kind. All I've ever seen are the ones that you have to be very, very careful with, or else basically they die. You can get ones that you that do like everything. You can take them up and control them yourself. But they also often mm. have modes where they just kind of follow you, so you can like get on a mountain bike or whatever and go down a hill and it'll just track you down and dodge the trees itself. Holy cow. Are you kidding? No. Yeah, no, these are fantastic. Wow. So those are ones that are like 400 bucks though, right? If uh, try like 2000 plus. $2,000. Dollar All right. <laughs> Which is what you call them in Australia. Yeah. That is the official currency. It is. The dollar redo. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, so that's, yep, that sounds like most of my Christmas presents that are destructible in any way. Right. Is I did one given year. or received? Uh, received. There was one year I got a, like a four-wheel drive uh, radio-controlled truck that was awesome. It was very cool. And, yep, pretty much instantly, I took it outside and the roads were clear because we plow our roads here because if you don't you're driving on snow all the time i believe what did I, I drove into a parked car i want to say it was <laughs> it was 10 or 11 years old and it was a pretty zippy little thing it was probably too much power for somebody my age but i drove it right into a parked car and it smashed itself right up but luckily the damage was only superficial um it didn't actually destroy the motor or the wheels or anything like that and it was able to get back up and running pretty quickly but yeah it's just kind of the fate of of all things that are moderately fragile on Christmas Day. I remember mm. getting remote control cars and just being like, all right, let's see how far up the street they'll go before they lose connection. <laughs> <laughs> For science. Testing the range. Or a car pulls out from a side street and drives over it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a possibility. I was always really super protective of my um, my fragile toys. I remember one year, um, Dad had got me this really awesome wasn't remote control but it was like a, a four-wheel drive to put like action figures in and it shot missiles and it was and it, it took him like two hours to put it together for me once i'd unwrapped it and i i was so paranoid about losing all the projectiles that i just never shot the cannon except for maybe like <laughs> once every now and then to test it that it hadn't jammed and then i would go fetch that one missile replace it and then the rest of it stayed perfectly still and oh, i'd just drive drive the car around <laughs> like, i can't lose it it won't be complete 
It's a fair concern. It is. I'm with you there. I never had that. I never had such quandaries. If I got like Nerf guns and stuff, bullets went missing left, right, and center. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure if you looked under my couch, there's Nerf guns under there at the moment. Nerf bullets. <laughs> Nerf bullets everywhere. Yeah, see, yeah. I think these these habits tend to continue in, in time because I still have all my bullets for my Nerf guns. They're all locked safely in a trunk. So at any given <laughs> stage, when I want to start a Nerf war, I can just pull out half a dozen guns with ammo loaded and ready to go. You keep your guns loaded? Yes, I keep Nerf guns loaded. Ready to go. So unsafe. That's what he said. What if a child got their hands on it? <laughs> think of the children. It's Christmas. Children? I bet they would shoot me, because I'm pretty sure that's what our niece and nephew do every time they get their hands on guns. That is true. It's only fair. You can't expect a child to have access to a Nerf gun and not shoot it. It's impossible. Yes, it's so tempting. It is. We need stronger Nerf gun control laws. Nerf gun control. That's it, we need Nerf gun control. That's something I've kind of wanted to talk about, gun control laws in Australia, because my understanding is there was a big thing that happened in the 70s, and then basically the country was like, you know what, Mm, we're not doing this anymore. On a large scale. I have friends that have guns. I have a friend that actually has recently purchased a lever action Adler shotgun and he is super impressed with it and paid extra to have it nickel plated and, and loves Ooh. to go hunting. But I think just quickly while we're on the topic, I think the gun control laws in Australia are actually really good. Okay. So uh, what are the laws? Like what can't you buy? Uh, semi-auto right. Semi-autos and full autos. So, but anything that's single... Single shot. Bolt action. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or huh. your, you, um, single shot. You can get pistols, but they're a lot harder of a license to acquire. There are two categories of licenses. Yeah. So, p- pistols are harder. And it, when you go to purchase a gun, you have to submit a request in writing to purchase the rifle or shotgun or pistol and you have to provide your details and you have a mandatory waiting period is there a specific like list of things you have to say like they're looking for in this request or is it just like i'd like a gun please thank you and then you sign your name yeah you kind of just need to have it in writing that you have the intent like you are you and you have the intent to purchase a rifle and then once Mm -hmm. you get the rifle you also have to protect uh and a pistol you have to participate in three competition shoots per year oh yeah uh, i th- i'm huh. not sure how that works for people that are buying it for hunting purposes yeah that's another kind of license you can get a vomit license and then i'm not sure if you have to necessarily if you have to go to the competition shoots because it's for a like theoretically work if you're a vomit hunter gotcha the harder part is actually getting the license than getting the guns. The guns, the waiting period isn't so long, but the test is actually quite rigorous to pass to get your license. Um, is it like uh, written exam and a like practical exam? I don't know. I don't think it's practical, but it's definitely a very lengthy written exam. They expect you to know all the codes and practices sort of thing from the gun safety handbook. Um, and once mm-hmm. you have a, a gun, you have to store the gun and the ammunition separately. And the gun has to be in a gun safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least. I'm not sure about the ammunition. But they have to be in separate rooms. They can't be in the same room in separate safes. They've got to be in different locations. Huh. And the person who owns the safe is the only person on the Prime Minister who's allowed to know where the keys are for it. Or the combination, right? Like, you can't just... How do they determine that? Uh, basically, if they come to the door... It's like an honor system? Yeah, kind Good faith. Yeah, if, yeah. Basically, if they go, hey, we know that there's a gun at this residence and we'd like to inspect the like its storage conditions, 
and they go, sure, come in, I'll go grab the keys, and they're not the person who owns the gun. We caught you. Yeah, so if you're a complete idiot. Yeah. It's a noob check, basically. But I imagine most people aren't that stupid. You'd hope not. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you might be wrong about that. I could be very wrong about that. Okay, fair enough. So it's just basically regulations on semi-autos and full autos, and then there's just some other restrictions about owning other types of yeah, I of weapons. For my one of my birthdays, my dad took me to a gun range near where we live, and like, because my dad was like, "Hey, for your birthday, I'll pay for your um, like your fees and stuff for to get yeah. a, to get a pistol." And I was talking to all the pistol owners there, and basically, I didn't want to have to go to three shoots, so I didn't find like I thought it would be too much work to own a pistol, so I just didn't bother. Uh huh. But I was talking to the guys there, and you're allowed to own forty four caliber pistols and 44 caliber bullets but it's illegal to shoot it regardless <laughs> so why that's news to me it's apparently too dangerous of a gun so don't sell it what the heck well you can have it for collector's purposes and stuff like that oh so th right, that's very basically because it's illegal to shoot there aren't a lot of them in the country anyway so it doesn't really come up as a problem like i assume importing them is probably illegal too then um i wouldn't um... know about that Okay. I don't think so. I mean, you'd have to be able to get it from somewhere if you're allowed to have it. Yeah. But I think are, are there no gun to... manufacturers in Australia, though? No, we just sell Well, oh, there would be, but I mean... <laughs> boomerangs and, and didgeridoos. That's all we have. <laughs> Everything else is imported. They're, they're like bullets, but they come back. It's great. <laughs> it re reloads itself. Kills a dingo, comes right back into your arms. Wonderful no, um, selling point. I would imagine you can get guns through customs. You've just got to apply to have it imported because I am sure that... Uh, do you guys have paintball guns in America? Have a paintball guns? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, I know for a fact that I've played that quite a bit and I was talking to one of the, the guys that work in one of the shops once and they've said that they actually have to import them into Australia under the same category as rocket launchers. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing but wow ego they, they are they they do come in and i think as so long as you properly declare what you're going to have sent before it's sent then i think you should be safe hmm. all right well that that is our education about gun laws in australia i am now much more educated on the topic i feel i feel like after every podcast you go to work the next day and tell all your friends about all the things you learned about australia <laughs> sometimes i do the cold rock thing was amazing people are like what really did you know they great. shot emus oh man that one too that one was a good topic of discussion i think that should be taught in australian schools more because it really should from both sides as a student and a teacher not coming up as much as it should no not at all. It is, it's like the most interesting part of Australian history, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that I know, that's the greatest story you can tell. I mean, I for one welcome our new emu overlords. Uh, as do most people, as it turns out. Do you know what a cassowary is, Falcon? Uh, a what? A cassowary. Cassowary. Isn't it kind of a bird? No? It is a bird. Okay. Um, if you look it up. Is almost like a dinosaur. It is the, uh, one of the things that I think is close enough for, to like the bird type dinosaurs that you see. It has absolutely massive claws and a big plate bone on its head. And I, I feel like it could definitely kill you if it wanted to. Yeah, I could see that. There are definitely a bunch of birds that could kill me if they wanted to. Hmm. No argument there. I would gladly bow down to this bird as my overlord. <laughs> I think e emus alone would terrify me if I came up to one like in real life. 
<clears throat> do ostriches terrify you? They do. They're also very scary. Oh, I, I suppose it's fair enough then. <laughs> they're huge. They're huge, and they got big claws, big old talons. They decide to hack you with those, and then you just bleed out, depending on where they get you. Mm. I think fences are what make me feel safe. Because mm-hmm. okay. anytime I've ever seen an animal like this, it's been on the other side of a fence. Yes. Okay. So in the zoo, they're not scary, obviously. But well, I mean, I'm talking about you're just walking around and you hear one come up behind you. I would just probably pee my pants. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Even when I've seen them in the wild, they've been in like fences, like chain link fences that have fenced off the area that they're in toward the roads that are next to them, so yeah. that they don't just wander into traffic. Right. So I so still feel relatively safe. Basically cows. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. If they were, like, super deadly. Right. Feathered. <laughs> cows in general aren't really big into killing people. I mean, mad cow disease. Mad cow disease. Indirect killings, though. But it's still and, uh, what's cows that? killing you. The running of the bulls festival in Spain. Yeah, that's a good one. Also, people that try to go tip over cows and the cow falls on them and they die. <laughs> that doesn't happen, does it? No, I don't <laughs> think that happens, but it's like... Basically, myth in America. Like, that's a thing that people do. I think it's one of those things where people from... You imagine what? It'd be really hard to tip a cow? Like, Yeah, that's the point. They're quite heavy. I work in a butcher shop. It's it's more than 200 kilos. Yeah, so cow cow tipping is basically what people who live in rural America tell people in the city they do in their free time. (laughs) Like, they're like, what do you do with your free time? You live in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. I'm like, oh, we go cow tipping. I'm like, what? Is this kind of like the drop bear thing that Australians do? Yes, it's kind of like drop bear. Except drop bears are real. Yes. Except, yeah, exactly like that, except drop bears are real and cow tipping is not. And we are no way paid actors that from <laughs> South America. <laughs> Nope. All right, back to Christmas. This has been enough. Enough emu talking and enough guns. Back to Christmas. What I want to hear, we're going to talk about favorite Christmas movies on and off here. And Wade was very interested in claiming Home Alone as the Christmas movie he wants to talk about. I mean, technically. And I'm with you. It is a a staple in Christmas movies. It is. That is definitely the number one Christmas movie. Cannot be topped. Nope, lies. Die Hard is more of a Christmas movie. <laughs> I feel like I just got set up because I wanted to talk about <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, then your big brother stepped in. That's how big brothers roll. Uh, all right, so let's let's hear it. Let's hear your let's hear your rant or um, objectification of Home Alone and why you love it so much. Uh, I mean, it's a kid who just wants to be alone. As someone yes. who likes being alone, I can kind of relate. <laughs> oh, you relate to Kevin. Yeah, I mean, you you're home alone. You can do whatever you want in the entire house, right? Oh, that is nice. Yep. Yeah, when you're a kid, especially. Mm. And so you just stay up watching movies all night and eating ice cream and ordering pizza with a delivery guy who likes to knock over statues for some reason. Yeah. Have you He's ever alone. wished that you could be alone and then found yourself alone and then regretted it? No. No, not once. So you don't relate to Kevin in that way, then. Okay. So you never accidentally wished your family away. No. But I've, I like I like being by myself a lot of the time, so I can relate to Kevin, who's just like, "Leave me alone." Okay, now I'm alone. Everything's great because when I'm alone, everything's great. <laughs> Kevin is also like the MacGyver of children, and just like yes. booby traps the house with everyday objects. He is, he is MacGyver the younger years. Like what he manages to pull off with paint cans and 
aerosol sprayed hairspray. Well, string. Yeah, string, lots of string, micro machines. Truly ahead of his time. A visionary. True. And then visionary. he does it again. He, and again. Wait, is he in the third one or just is it Kevin in one and two? I think it's just Kevin in one and two. Yeah, I think they got another kid for the third one, which was a mistake. Home Alone 4. Oh, yeah, I have seen... I think I saw a trailer for this once. Oh, and the thieves are like a dude and a woman. That mixes it up. Totally Gender different. quality. So the kid who plays Kevin McAllister is Mike Weinberg. He doesn't even have a link in Wikipedia. <laughs> like, his name is just... It's not blue. It's just a name. And he's not even... Wait, hold on. Where is he? Where's Kevin? Oh, he does have an IMDb page. And... Well, that's what I was looking for now. And his, to it. his picture is from when he's a kid. So yeah, I saw Home Alone for the first time when it was in theaters. I was probably eight or nine years old. And it had a heavy impression on me. The concept that a child could beat the ever-living daylights out of adults was new and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I want to be when I grow up. Maybe not to that extent, but just it was such a joy to watch this kid about my age just absolutely take it to these two fully grown adults who... In fairness, we're incredibly incompetent, but that didn't really matter when I was nine. Yeah. Did I care that they were being severely injured by this child? Did I care that they were probably going to have to spend a lot of time in the hospital? No. That never, ever crossed my mind until I watched it as an adult, and I was like, oh, these guys are getting seriously injured right now. But as a kid, it doesn't matter. And that's why it made so much money, because kids don't care about harm coming to other people. Yeah, they can get away with it. Oh, the kid's doing it in self-defense. It's totally fine. Yep. Kind of self-defense. It could be argued that Kevin entrapped them into coming to the house the second and third and fourth time. He entrapped them to try and rob his house? Yep. I think it's still he's still defending his property. Totally justified. Yeah. They're intruders. Maybe. Yep. He didn't invite them on. No, but he kind of sort of wanted them to come back so he could do stuff, right? Yeah. So there's a little bit of element of entrapment there. Was he expecting them to come back, or, or I mean, he's luring them back. How many hours setting all that stuff up? And if they never came back, you think he'd be like, "Oh, I'm so glad they didn't come back to fall into my booby traps and get severely injured." Yes, because then he just goes back to watching TV. <laughs> he's no. But then he's got all these booby traps he has to clean up. That sucks. No, he just leaves it in case take? they come back. Right? Oh, you can right. Never he's, be not gonna accident, he's not going to accidentally brain himself with a paint can. <laughs> Lose the rest the of his days day. in a house yeah. that's booby-trapped. <laughs> old man, old man, um, Kevin, who's just sitting there eating, like, canned food with, like, these wires around him and can't every, move too much. Every once in a while, a trap just falls apart on its own. Hear this clanging that, in the background. <laughs> that's good news. That's more of the house he can now explore. <laughs> I wonder what was in this wing. Uh, oh, this was my sister's room once upon a time. <laughs> Man, that would be incredibly sad. Somebody should do that for an independent film of some kind. Or just Old Man McAllister. They don't tell you who it is at the beginning, but slowly you start to figure out where he is based on stuff you can see around the house. Like I a reverse watch... film. Yeah, I'd watch the crap out of that. That would be amazing. And then it's just he's totally alone. And it's just the concept of Home Alone taken to its extreme. Just an old guy sitting in a chair being like, I wish yeah. the kids would call. Yeah, totally. Like, I think I have grandkids and slowly falling into dementia. Oh, 
It'd be so sad and wonderful. <laughs> sad and wonderful. Mm. And wonderful, Wade. Sad and wrenching. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your Christmas movie of choice, Falcon? I, was, I want to do Die Hard first. Could you do Die Hard first? Yeah, we can do Die Hard. We can do Die Hard. Let's do Die Hard. I think, that, I think Die Hard is actually like the spirited collective Christmas movie. That's everyone's Christmas movie, really. It is. Except for all the people that don't like, like Die Hard. Mm, it's a, it's people, a movie those... about redemption. It is. About family. I don't about... think anyone really doesn't like it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I think people that don't like it just haven't seen it. They're like, oh, Die Hard. It sounds really violent and terrible. But if they watched it, it would be violent, but they would love it. Or they've only seen A Good Day to Die Hard, in which case it's totally fine not to like it. <laughs> which, hang on, I forget names. Which one is that? That's the one with That's his like... son when he was in, like, grown up in oh, Russia. Oh, in Russia. I never saw that one. I heard about it. One though. of the most recent incarnations. Yeah. I did like the one, um, Live Free or Die Hard, with Timothy Oliphant as the bad guy. Yeah. That one was okay. I can't remember that one. It might have a different name in Australia. Yeah, it's basically like in the Washington, D.C. area, and Timothy Oliphant is basically shutting down the technology somehow, because yes, movies have a very tenuous grasp on how technology works. I think that's called Die Hard 4.0 here, or something like that. Oh! Is that the one where he launches the car at the helicopter? Yep! He kills a helicopter with a car. That is the yeah. defining moment of that film. Mm -hmm. Certain that's 4.0. Do they call it Die Hard 4.0? That's amazing. I've never heard that name. Actually, what's funny about uh, the Die Hard is I was watching an episode of Bob's Burgers this morning during my run, and Gene, the son character, decides to <laughs> stage his version of Die Hard the musical. <laughs> he puts on at school, and the kids that he casts, he thinks they're all terrible, and so he just decides to do a one-man show. It's amazing. It's hilarious. He's doing fight scenes and switching back and forth across the stage, putting wigs on and taking wigs off, and Oh, it's wonderful. So Die Hard the Musical. I highly recommend it. I think that's awesome. That should come to a theater near you. <laughs> should. Also, on the, on the topic of Die Hard spinoffs, there is apparently a Christmas book for Die Hard coming out this year. Yeah, Like, I like saw a children's that. storybook kind of style uh -huh. Christmas book for Die Hard. Like little golden storybook or something? Yeah, something to that effect. It's wonderful, too. They're, they posted some previews on, I want to say it was Kotaku, Kotaku's website, a few weeks ago. And I think it rhymes. I mean, it's, it is delightful. It's a delightful oh, experience. That would be experience. awesome, like a, a Dr. Zeus sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it looks real. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's always helpful. <laughs> it looks it's real. <laughs> Thank you for your expert opinion, Wade. <laughs> We could be dealing with antiquities. This is a forgery. <laughs> actually, that's just a really quick aside. I was actually um, at my old university yesterday, and I thought, let's have a bit of a fun tour down memory lane. And I went to the um, Museum of Cultures that I have there where a lot of the ancient artifacts are kept. And I overheard a conversation between two staff members about, um, and this is very small fraction of a conversation I heard, they were talking about some gentleman and he was like, oh, is that the guy who he found a forgery? And I was like, are they talking about a forgery in the collection that they have? Has some independent mm. contractor come in and discovered a forgery in, in that they've had on loan to them or, or purchased for the university's museum collection that's actually not a legitimate item? 
Ooh, interesting. And I just had wheels turning in my head, and I was like, wow, okay. Did you figure it out? No, um, unfortunately, they sort of departed to another room. Oh. Into the vault to go and inspect the item, probably. I don't know if they have a vault. There's just lots of little um, conference rooms off the the main sort of display area, and they just disappeared into one of them behind laminated glass. Top men. Getting top men to investigate. <laughs> yes. Probably works for the, the AFP or something, you know, or the CIA, or... Yeah. It's just it's a matter of national importance. I sure hope so. They work for some sort of an acronym. <laughs> That's how you know it's important. It's an acronym. Like the Australian Research Space Exploration Center? The Ars Center? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's important. If it spells something something about butts. <laughs> so how excited about Christmas did you guys get when you were a kid? Because I got ridiculously hyped for Christmas. I was counting down the days. Christmas Eve, on average, I think, I slept about an hour on Christmas Eve before Christmas Day. That, that is how it always felt. Like, I just can't get to sleep. I just can't get to sleep. All right, well, I don't know what time it is, but I just cannot get to sleep. Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? And it just feels like the night will never end. Yep. Distinctly remember one year waking up at about 2 a.m. And then I, um, because Wade and I used to share a bedroom, I woke him up and then we decided to wake our sister up and then we decided to wake our parents up at 2 a.m and uh, dad was less than impressed and tried to get us to go back to sleep displeased <laughs> i have a feeling he may have just gone to sleep from beat wrapping um, presents late into the night uh but no we weren't going back down christmas <laughs> 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 started at 2 a.m that year <laughs> uh, yeah my parents said i believe it was six o'clock six o'clock was the latest or earliest, that I could bother them at all, so. I think that was our general rule, too. Um, as kids, we normally had to be in bed by 8.30, too, even though, like, even though we yeah. were generally super hyped on Christmas Eve. It was like, no, you know, you go to bed now. The sooner you go to bed, the sooner you wake up. That sort of mentality. You know, I think parents just wanted to relax from us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from doing a podcast with a parent, it's that he just wants away from his kids. There is a lot of truth to that, Wade. <laughs> you guys have advent calendars in America? We do. Uh-huh. That's totally a thing. Is that a big thing? Was that a big thing for you when you were a kid? Or or do you do it with your children? Uh, yeah, both. Did both. it when I was a kid, and I do it with my kids now. Do you get, like, have you seen the novelty ones that adults can get? Like advent calendars of wine and things like that? <laughs> I have. Expensive cheeses. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. No, I haven't gotten those. We just get the cheap chocolate ones. Yeah, they're usually the best ones anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's not good chocolate, but it's better than yeah, no chocolate, I suppose. It, it, it's never been about the good chocolate. It's just no. the tradition of it. Do you? I assume you put up a tree, Falcon, yeah? Yeah, yep. I do not put up a tree. Oh, okay. Not even like a small, no. sad Charlie Brown one? No, <laughs> no. No. One year I put up a palm tree, an inflatable palm tree. That's my oh. Christmas tree. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I could roll with that, but I've always found decorating a tree to not be worth the effort. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I see where he's coming from. Having to pack it all up later, it's just not, not worth fun. it. It's a lot of work, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I think by the time... We had a rule that like the tr the tree would go up in December, right? Yes. 
maybe day after Thanksgiving here, which is the last day ish of Thanksgiving. Or Thanksgiving is the last day of Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. So Not many people know that actually. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is here, Christmas decorations in like stores and on people's houses go up at like the end of October. Oh, They've yeah, already gone up sure. in my shopping center. Yep, same here. Stupid. Well, of course they've already gone up. It's after Christmas. Oh, yeah. When this episode comes out. <laughs> Back in October, they went up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think somebody posted on Facebook. This is the first time I've seen this today, but uh, the local Target has Christmas stuff out. And it's still, it's, I mean, it's October 24th. That's pretty ahead of the times. Mm. So I, I, I just get beat down by that. Already over it. Like, we have, like, Halloween hasn't even gone by, and it's Christmas stuff. Nope. What's almost as bad is that in Australia, generally, um, supermarkets will start to push Chris, uh, Easter items, like, the from Boxing Day onwards. Usually they, like, wait till about New Year's Day, but from about Boxing Day onwards, mm. Easter lines start appearing, like, hot cross buns and <laughs> chocolate eggs. And, and that is almost four months of Easter. So here's the my the Falcon Paladin theory on stuff that companies do that annoy us. You know what? They wouldn't do it if it didn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> like if they put up this Christmas stuff before Halloween and nobody bought any of it, next year they wouldn't do it. They'd push it back, but people buy it. Yeah. And they get money from it, and so they do it. I mean, it's the same thing with the video game industry right now. People are like, where's my single-player DLC? Where are my single-player games? And you know what it is? All this online multiplayer loot box stuff is where all the cash is for the video game companies because that's what people do. So we can complain about it, but it's our own fellow humans that are screwing us over here. Why do people have to be such people? Why? Yes, people should be less people. We should be automatons. That would be nice. Ooh, one day. If we're lucky, we'll be robots. I'm sure that came up in a previous podcast somewhere, that if we could just Google things with our brains. That came up yesterday and I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you mean yesterday? This is Christmas time. I think I think we've already dispelled the illusion that we're recording this in advance. We have. Anyway, so Christmas things. Yes, let's see. What else do we do during Christmas? We make gingerbread houses. Although it has actually turned into uh, graham cracker houses instead of gingerbread houses, at least where I'm from. Is that like the, the healthy people movement trying to influence or? No, I think it's just graham crackers come prepackaged and easy to use and gingerbread <laughs> is more expensive or you have to make your own and that sucks. It's all about right. convenience. Okay, well we don't have graham crackers so I'm sure the gingerbread industry is perfectly fine here. You don't have graham crackers? No, we don't have graham I mean, crackers. Do you call them uh, something uh, else? Maybe. I mean, you spell them Graham, so I don't know, probably. <laughs> graham cracker. Behold the like, Wikipedia entry. I mean, we have something similar to the graham cracker. Um, and Wikipedia lists it as a wafer. Or the, oh, no, that's alternative name. Graham wafer. I mean, we have similar looking stuff, but nothing that's specifically that. It just looks like a Vita-Wheat biscuit, brother. Yeah, okay. So, now I've so got a rough idea. So much more delicious, though. Thank you, word for it. Oh, yeah. I just realized I pasted that into the wrong Skype this conversation. <laughs> what else during Christmas? Uh, obviously, sledding. 
in the snow is a big thing during the Christmas season. Yeah. Do you take your family out sledding? Like We do. A couple of years ago, we had, I think, the most snow my part of the state has ever gotten in the recorded history of the state between Christmas and New Year's. So that week, we just got dumped on. So pretty much everybody stayed inside. The roads were terrible. Everybody was pretty much off work anyway, so it wasn't a huge deal. <clears throat> but then it cleared up, and there was just like three and a half to four feet of snow everywhere. It was amazing. It was some really good sledding. Sun came out, took the kids, bundled them up. Do you Nobody do, like, broke any bones. Snow angels. Uh huh. That's something too. Build snowmen. Things we could never do in Australia. Things you can never ever do. Sometimes Not I wish that. I had like a sandbox and some water just to like make wet sand and build a, a sandman instead of a snowman. But <laughs> I'm sure that's been done. Like a really Australian desert, a red Christmas. Snowman out of sand. Oh yeah, check this out. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard any Australian Christmas carols, Falcon? No. Are you making stuff up? No, no, no. There is a legitimate Australian Christmas carols. Um, I'm trying to remember how it goes, but there's there's a, a an Australian Christmas carol about six white boomers, and it's essentially Santa down under where they replace the reindeer with kangaroos and uh, it's very very heavily australianly themed it's too a familiar tune too i can't remember for the life of me what tune it goes to i will find an appropriate video that sandman isn't a size that's a that's a scaled image it's only about three three inches tall that sandman you think so i think so looking at it i believe that that is an optical illusion how about this one wow okay that's impressive (laughs) okay that's (laughs) that's more of a sculpture that yeah. someone has too much time on their hands. All right, so I'm watching your six white boomers. This is very catchy. <laughs> like I said, I'm pretty sure it's still a familiar jingle, but I can't place it for the life of me. Oh, <laughs> they found his mummy. Spoilers. How long is this song? Three minutes plus. So, is calling them boomers a generally accepted convention? Um, yes and no. Yeah. It's not a term we would use to refer to kangaroos every day, but it's a term that is known well enough that we don't have to ask for an explanation. Yeah. You see, I went and saw some boomers yesterday. People know what you're talking about. Yeah. Most people would. They'd probably look at you a little bit funny, but yeah. Yeah. The things I learn on this podcast. We should really be in the educational sections. Should. (laughs) So how old were you when you found out that Santa Claus was not real? And what was your reaction? Santa's not real? Dang it, Lance. <laughs> uh, I don't remember how old I was, so I can't answer um, the question. You must have been pretty young then. I was quite young, I was, but I'm old, I was old enough to remember vaguely being in primary school and having other kids tell me, so I probably would have been about six or seven, maybe eight. But uh, How did you I find was, out? Do you remember? Did the friend tell you? or? Yeah, it was pretty much just a friend told me. It was kind of like a... In Australian culture, sometimes you make fun of friends to... To show your friendship, and yep. it sort of came up in a in a form of like that, like oh, don't you know Santa's not real? Yeah, and I was, and I was like, no, that's not true. Santa's real, and they were like, no, it's not. And oh, it's brutal. Yeah, that's so bit. sad. He is, he is real. Young Lance is demanding. 
I, I kind of just you take it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to just brush it off, like, oh, no, you're only lying. I know you, you're not telling the truth, but deep down, I was like, <laughs> heartbroken. The pieces were just like slowly shattering and falling to the ground, piece by piece. Oh, the tragedy! The tragedy this is. So my story is kind of funny. I think I was um, oh, eight or nine years old when I found out. My parents did a really good job keeping it from me. But then, like you said, at school, basically, I'm, my memories of school is that there were just things that everybody knew. And if you didn't know it, everybody would talk about it. And there was this, this general just knowledge collective that us eight-year-olds had. We all knew the same things. And so that's where I found out. And I... I think I believed it pretty much right away. I didn't deny it or anything, but then I told my parents and the best part is, is they were so happy because they finally had somebody else to help them wrap all the presents on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they were so ecstatic. They said, Oh, you can help us now. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to put you to work. You're not like a little slave. <laughs> You're in on this game. You've got to help. That's right. You know what's going on. You want those presents. You got to help wrap the rest of them. Bucko. Oh, all right. How quickly did you then tell the rest of your siblings so you, like, everyone could just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're all in on it now, come help. I was threatened with severe punishments if I ever told any of my siblings intentionally that there was no Santa, so... And to this day, none of them know. To this day, I've kept that promise, Wade. <laughs> I am a man of honor. <laughs> did you guys leave out, like, milk and cookies for Santa? Yeah, totally. Carrots for the reindeer? Yep. Good. Don't want to Chocolate chip cookies in general. See, in Australia, it's a little bit different. Often, it's um, it's it's cookies and beer for Santa. Yeah. I was gonna say, what what sort of extent do you guys go to to reaffirm the myth of Santa? Like in, in Australia, some parents will like leave half-eaten carrots behind, or yeah, go find shoes and leave horseshoe prints in the ground for the reindeer and things like that. Yep. Uh, I don't think my parents ever did the the prints in the ground, but they definitely did the half-eaten cookie thing. And sometimes they'd write a note from Santa like, oh, thanks for the cookies, you kids. That was so great. We we're always like, wow, Santa wrote us a note. Yep. It was a good time. <laughs> he says enough time to sit down and drink milk and eat cookies and write notes at every single house in the world. No, only we got a note. All the other kids were out of luck. Yeah, and not all the other kids left milk and cookies. It's true. Only the ones that left the best, the very best of chocolate chip cookies and milk got a note. Here, there are cookies that are horrendous. Chips Ahoy brand cookies are terrible. They're not good. But other brand of cookies are great. Are you saying the you left out the premium brand? Like the primo cookies oh, overnight yeah. for like Santa? $4 a cookie on these. Oh, wow. $4 wow yeah no we knew we knew unless it was the best stuff he wouldn't bother stopping he's like ah oh, this is just it's not whether you got these at the gas station it's not worth it yeah do you like get like the best full cream milk with the like the actual cream on top or did you mm -hmm. get like fat things and just try and trick him into losing weight no santa doesn't have to lose weight he's magic he's at the weight he's supposed to be and that's where he always stays no matter what fair enough yeah i got bad news for you dude <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's kind of like a wizard, right? A wizard is never early or late. He always arrives precisely when he means to. And same thing with Santa. He's not fat or skinny. He always weighs precisely as much as he means to. It's never seemed to be an issue. No. So I mean, fits in chimneys easy enough. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
Right. I think, too, there have been some little Christmas specials. Christmas, like, stop-motion animations. I don't know who makes those or if you're familiar with them at all. Let me... There's one where Mrs. Claus is like, Santa, you've been putting on weight. You need to read better. And he's like, screw you, woman. Okay, he doesn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine someone making that one, though. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm sure that exists. Yeah, there's this 1964 stop-motion, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that I've watched probably a million times. This is an hour long. Oh, yeah. Wow. You don't have to watch the whole thing, obviously, but... Yeah, but I think specifically this is the one where Mrs. Claus is trying to get Santa to be healthier. Okay. <laughs> and it doesn't go down, like I said. It's much more cordial because it's Santa Claus and he's a nice guy, but... It happens. I remember thinking, though, leave him alone, woman. Like, <laughs> he's magic. Get, get off he his has back. an important job. Yeah. What does Santa do for the other days of the year like the rest of the year what's he doing supervises the building of many many billions of toys if it takes him one day to get to every child's house on the planet it should not take him 364 days to make a, like all the toys i always thought it was a materials thing i always thought that the elves can make stuff really fast but getting things delivered to the north pole just takes a while like the raw materials getting up there mm. it's really hard to get stuff to the north pole it's very snowy having the head of expedited shipping Day one Amazon Prime delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that the North Pole <laughs> is, is part of expedited shipping. Yeah, exactly. Well, once we get the drones delivering, they'll, they'll be able to get there. They'll just fly. Yeah, weather's still a problem for them, though, isn't it? Just make bigger drones? We've, we've got drones big enough that can pull people on um, skis or a uh, snowboard. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So that could probably withstand a blizzard, maybe. 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 I don't know. One way to find out, right? <laughs> Mythbusters. <laughs> I, feel, I feel a scientific experiment coming on. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, B1? I think I am, B2. <laughs> is that Bananas in Pajamas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. I haven't seen that forever. I almost forgot it existed. That's also an Animaniacs thing. You guys had that show as kids? Uh, Pinky and the yes, Brain. it existed in Australia, but we never really watched Animaniacs. Pinky and the Brain was quite common. Yeah, Pinky and the That's what I think of when I hear, are you thinking what I'm thinking? What are we doing tonight, Brain? Same yeah. thing we do every night, Pinky. Try and take over the world. Are you pondering what I'm pondering, Pinky? <laughs> I think so, Brain, but where are we going to find rubber pants all size? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best ones. Those are definitely the best ones. <laughs> So on that note, is there anything else we want to cover for our Christmas podcast of Christmas time? There is something that's been on my mind for several days now. Wow. Instead All right. Of what should be months, it should be days. Is Latin a dead language? Oh, no. Are we doing this one again? I think I think he he, he, he intends to bring in an expert to... to... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think the important thing is to define the term, what is a dead language, yeah? Okay. What, yes. what do you define like as a dead language? So what I define dead language is as there is no culture that speaks it as their primary tongue. It is um, the official language of the Vatican City. It's not the official tongue of the Vatican City. They it do is not, the official tongue if of you, Vatican If you walk down the streets in Vatican City, the people are not talking to each other in Latin. They need a common language. Most of the cardinals and, and even the Pope are all from different countries. Okay, so there are 12 people on earth who speak latin 
when they're in a group with each other. I don't think that counts. I I don't think that I, gets I th- rid of the dead language designation. I think it makes well, it I'm, an endangered language. I've known plenty of academics that can still speak it fluently. Yeah. Like and so, just because they're not assigned to a specific country, there are still a large mm-hmm. percentage of people that that can speak it and understand it and can write it and can read it. But something we talked about. Something Wade and I talked about earlier is that we don't know how exactly a lot of words in Latin were pronounced. We don't have the pronunciations. I disagree. We're guessing. We're guessing. No, we're not. Because um, poetry, in particular in Latin, is very, very helpful for pronunciation because a lot of poetry was written in a specific meter, so called mm-hmm. uh, a didactic pentameter. Yep. And in order to be able to read the poetry correctly and understand whatever story the poetry was telling, you needed to know whether there were going to be long vowels or short vowels in a word. And that would tell you the different meaning of the word. So we do know how words were pronounced and also looking at the progression of the language through um, large periods of time also tells us how words were pronounced and how they changed over time as well. So if you look at medieval Latin as compared to classical Latin, you can see the same word appearing in text, but it's written slightly different, and you can understand how the the sound changed over time, and why it changed over time, and where it changed over time. So we can actually tell how words were pronounced. Not all of them, though. I agree. There are a bunch we can figure out using logic of how they're pronounced, but there are words that we are making educated guesses about, right? Uh, it would be a very, very minimal amount. It would have to be mainly words that were brought into Latin from other cultures. There were words brought in from Greek, and there were words brought in from Celtic, and there were words brought in from uh, Germanic tribes, and it is words that were from other cultures that were probably the hardest ones for us to translate, but uh, like to, to figure out how it was pronounced. But for the most part, once you break... Um, proportion of the words you just reapply the same formula and the code kind of works like you you get how words were pronounced like c's were pronounced as k's a vowel next to a u made the u sound like a w like we we can just go from there all right fair enough i still think based on my definition it's a dead language but i can see how that may not be the um widely accepted definition of dead language I think dead language is widely accepted as a, a term for Latin, but it, I think it's an incorrect accepted term. So what would an example of a dead language be? Or, or maybe something from a lost tribe of the Amazon, something that was never written down. A lot of a lot of indigenous Aboriginal languages in Australia are now dead languages because they survive in so few fragments that they're, they're just irreparable. Okay. But Latin is much more complete than those ones are. A hundred percent. Like you, I've I've translated texts and read books in Latin, and well, not entire books, but large chapters, and it it is very very doable, readable and writable, and it, it's not a problem. Okay. If you've ever been to 4chan, you'll know that the Queen's English is slowly dying. So that'll be on the dead language list, sir. In fact, if, if you want to be better at English, you should learn Latin because Latin actually helps you understand English better than being taught English as English. English in general is a real messed up language. Yeah, which is which is why learning Latin helps because you understand um, irregular verbs better and you understand ir- um, parts of speech better because you hmm. the way you learn it in Latin helps you translate it into English and then 
that helps you understand what the word is actually doing in English because you've had to learn it in, in, in Latin. Right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I have learned much, not only about Australian culture, but about Latin as well. Good. Cool. Well, I hope cool. Wade is happy. I'm satisfied. <laughs> She's victorious this round. Very <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense in context. I came, I saw, uh, I conquered. I saw, I conquered. Uh, all right, fine. It kind of makes sense in context. I can, so, I mean, he probably said that, but considering Caesar was like aristocratic Roman, he probably spoke Greek. Greek most of the time. <laughs> so his famous dying words of et tu putus um, would have actually been kaisu technon. Which is ah. what I believe he said, uh, which is ancient Greek, and it actually means "and you, my son," which is yeah. how they get this really insane theory that Brutus was actually Caesar's illegitimate son. Oh, that's sneaky! So, thanks for joining us for the special Christmas edition of the Falcon Paladin Hour. Again, thanks for joining us as well, Mister Lance. It was good to have you around, even if you did prove me wrong about Latin being a dead language. I'm okay with it that. Was absolutely a pleasure to be here. And until next time, as always, thank you so much for joining us and listening, and you take care of yourself.